Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. Let's not waste any time. Here is the interview with Ontario Party candidate Vanessa Head. I'm so pleased to have with me today the Ontario Party candidate for Northumberland Peterborough South, Vanessa Head. Welcome to Consider This. Thank you so much for having me. Now, before we go too far, for listeners who have not heard of the Ontario Party, can you give us a quick synopsis of the party and its history? Well, the party is actually a grassroots movement, and it is led by the um, Honourable Derek Sloan. And uh, ultimately, we stand for the mandate of faith, freedom, and family. Could you explain what you mean by those three words? So those are three words that we hold um, very dearly as values as Ontarians. And we feel that there has been um, a, a trampling on, on families' freedom and faith. So uh, those are the things that we are focused on having Uh, to be protected and to have them restored. So explain to me then how those three terms apply to the party and its platform. So for example, um, the freedom of expression and conscience rights in Ontario. Uh, So under the Canada's Charter of Rights and Freedoms, the Charter specifically protects individuals um, for their freedom of conscience and their freedom of expression. And in the last, uh, in, in this particular government, we have seen instances where those rights have been violated and we intend to stand up for, for our citizens' rights. Okay, so let's move on for a second. Before we get too much into policy and that, could we take a few moments and, and for people who don't know who you are, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Absolutely. So I, this is my first election. I am a small town Ontario um, raised girl and I have been, you know, quite dismayed um, with the trampling of our rights over this last couple of years. And like many, many citizens, I felt uh, helpless as I watched these things unfold. And I started to watch what the Ontario Party was doing, and I really believe in what they value. And then along came the opportunity to um, join the movement. And after much prayer and petition, I am a follower of Jesus, and I, I prayed about this, and I felt that I needed to put my hand up as a humble and willing servant uh, with no political experience in my background, just a heart for doing the right thing. Can you tell us a, a bit about your own background? What what have you? Uh, where were you born? Where uh, where you live? To tell us a bit about that aspect of your life. So I was actually born in Peterborough, raised in Norwood. 
I went on to live in the city for a number of years, and when the pandemic um, hit our shores, um, it was time to return home to my roots. So I came back home, and my career had been interrupted, so I returned to college, post-secondary education, to, to you know start again and kind of get some fresh new skills. So I'm actually in um, Fleming College for the Educational Assistant Program. So you're you're in school now. Do you have a family? I do. Tell us about your family. Well, I actually myself I'm not married and I don't have any children, um, but I do have uh, lots of I have siblings and lots of aunts, uh, nieces and nephews. Um, my parents are. Um, are also uh, in the neighborhood, so that's also good to be back home where my family's nearby. So let's talk about some of the issues then and your platform. I'd like to start with education. So your party promises to introduce educational vouchers, letting parents choose the schools and the types of education for their children. Why is this a good system? believe it's a good system because it gives back the power to the parents to decide where best their children should be educated. Um, For example, Ontario public schools spend an average of $12,500 per student per year. Uh, And our, our vision is for that money to follow the child wherever they would receive an education. Okay, so does does it not, though, undermine the public school system, as some might say, turn education into a business? My personal opinion is no. I believe that parents should be the first educators, and they should be able to um, determine what would best suit their, their child and to adhere to the values that they, they would want um, to be respected in their education. Lots of parents who have felt powerless that the schools and school boards aren't, um, aren't hearing their concerns about reforms. I'd like to go back to this idea of, I wonder to what extent it would create competition, though, between the various schools. And instead of being a, a public system that was you know, equal and everybody gets equal access to a good education, does this really benefit and do we really have a public education system or just some sort of hybrid private system uh, instead that's being paid for by the government? Well, my, in my opinion, it would still there would still be necessary academic thresholds that the schools would need to meet, and they would still have curriculum that has to um, be at a certain level. But I think it actually ultimately gives the parents a choice where best to send their children for their education. I think it gives the opportunity for there to be um, not having double jeopardy where you're paying taxes into the public system, but you you would actually have to then pay out of pocket if you wanted your child to attend, say, perhaps a private Christian school. There's also in your platform, it talks about the creation of charter schools. And again, it, it sounds like almost a privatization of a public system. It, it, how do you interpret that? Well, I personally don't have experience with charter schools, um, but certainly, as I understand in our platform, that the charter schools would receive government funding less than the public schools, but they would charge no tuition. So they'd have the freedom to operate, but they would also be receiving that government funding. that ultimately, I believe, would, would create an opportunity for entrepreneurs to to develop curriculum that would help to bring up the 
education levels of, of our children, giving an opportunity for them to increase their, their uh, level of education. I want to talk a little bit about your party's platform where it proposes that teachers provide detailed accounts regarding the materials taught to the parents of those children and giving the parents then the ability to have their child up out of certain lessons. Now, some may wonder that if that is not going to create a lot of chaos in the classroom, why is this a good policy? It's a good policy because if you look at that policy more specifically, it speaks to requiring the public school teachers to provide those detailed accounts of the day-to-day instructional material prior to its delivery that can be proven to be at odds with their sincerely held religious beliefs or moral convictions. So this actually would allow the parents to have a protection in place for their children if they are being exposed to things that are contrary to those values that the family holds dear. Do you see this as being a widespread problem that people generally have moral uh, problems with what's going on within the schools or on on a large scale? I certainly believe that there is an agenda that is being delivered in the school that certainly has a lot of parents um, concerned, and those concerns have been unheeded up to this point. I think that we are attempting to address that through the the option of having other means of education. Okay, I, I guess what what I heard you say, and, and please clarify this if, if I've misunderstood, but you mentioned it being a, a question of morals. And I, I guess what I'm asking you is, is that, you know, do you have a study or is there something been done that says that, you know, X number of percent, a large percentage of parents in Ontario have a moral problem with what's being taught? Well, I honestly couldn't attest to the actual percentage, but I do think that that concern is uh, well known. For um, there are organizations out there where parents are have gathered together against certain things that are in the curriculum. Could you give me some examples then of of the types of issues that you, you're seeing that have raised concerns that you feel that this kind of a policy would help address? Uh, Well, I'm not sure that I want to get into the deep specifics. I certainly would tell you that the Ontario Party Charter um, does uh, elaborate specifically on our values. And if you'd like to know the more specific details in terms of those types of topics, they are elaborated on on our website on OntarioParty.ca under the education uh, element there. Okay, because I was going to say, your party uh, does in your platform uh, on the website, it talks about making it illegal to talk about homosexuality, gay rights, or any version of history that is ignoring actions taken against minorities or Indigenous people. Uh, uh, is, Is that what we're talking about now? So I I think that, again, it's kind of being taken out of context. Specifically, it says that it makes it illegal for any teacher, school administrator, or school board official to teach, disseminate, or promote materials to students that explicitly or implicitly state that male and female do not exist as separate biological realities. And you need to go into the specifics of what is listed there in our party platform. I've just read you the first line. Well, finish it off then. Keep going. An individual by virtue or the individual's race or sex is inherently privileged, racist, sexist, or oppressive, whether consciously or subconsciously. 
an individual should be discriminated against or receive adverse treatment because of the individual's race or sex. An individual by virtue or the individual's race or sex bears responsibility for actions committed in the past by other members of the same race or sex. A particular Canadian province or Canada itself is fundamentally or irredeemably racist or sexist. We'd like those things to be made illegal. So when we started this conversation, you were talking about uh, freedom of conscience and yeah. the calls for more freedom of speech. And, yeah. and yet, in fact, in your education policy, you would create a government office that would investigate and discipline school personnel who breach any of what we just talked about. But protecting the students from ideological indoctrination, correct. Okay, so but some people might say what you're doing is you're taking away the freedom of teachers to teach on subjects like sexuality or race. Am I missing something here? I think that that, that's a twist on my words. I am indicating specifically that it's to protect students from an ideological indoctrination. Going back to the freedoms of the family, the family is the first educator. And it's the family that will direct what values that the family is raising their children with. They're not going to school to be taught an ideology. They are being sent to school to learn arithmetic and reading and writing. Let's move on to healthcare then. Your party platform would privatize healthcare, and yet it also states that funding would be made available for additional beds at public hospitals. Can you provide some details about how those two systems would work without ending universal healthcare? So specifically, I would again direct you to the party platform where it indicates what an Ontario party government will do. So we would pr- permit nonprofit organizations and private corporations to build, own, and manage hospitals and would permit citizens to hold supplemental private medical insurance. Greater funding for public hospital bed capacity and hiring more healthcare workers. I, I'm not sure what you specifically are asking. Well, I, I guess on one hand, you're saying that uh, you would allow the creation of privatized healthcare outlets, and yet at the same time, you're talking about making mo- public monies available for beds in in, in public hospitals. So it, it sounds like there'd be some privatization and then there'd be some public. So I, I guess the question I'm trying to ask is... If you have those two systems, are you not undermining the universal access of health care? To be honest with you, the way that I understand this is that we would be looking at this on a model that has been used before with a mixed approach. Therefore, reducing wait times and access to procedures. There isn't a perfect system in my mind when it comes to health care, but certainly what we have is broken. Way, way too much wait, wait times. We don't have uh, the healthcare system is is not performing as it should. So, so we certainly need to look at reform. Okay, then how does your party plan to recruit doctors and nurses? Like currently, I think there's something like vacancies for twenty two thousand nurses right this moment in Ontario. I don't have an answer for you. Okay, so how would your party create more affordable housing? So, uh, well, for example, again, I would direct you back to our party platform, but there is certainly some reforms that need to be put into place. So 
um, urban planning needs to be reformed. And we need to secure the same right as the province of Quebec to set our immigration policy. We have, we, t- we take in probably the largest um, percentage. Ontario alone settles almost half of all immigrants into Canada. This is causing a, a housing shortage, a housing crisis. There's a number of prongs that we would need to be looking at. Do you, Do you have any statistics to go with uh, the the immigration? How how do, how do you make that correlation? Can you give me some numbers to go with that so I could understand it better? I do not have specific numbers for you. That's simply the statistics that I understand from my party. Okay. Um, is there anything else that you would do in terms of creating affordable housing? Uh, establishing an Ontario-focused foreign uh, purchasing ban on residential homes. Okay, and how would that work? Again, it, I, I would refer you back to our platform. This is something that we would need to establish. Now, your party has a very pro-life platform. Would yes. your party make it illegal to get an abortion in Ontario? Robert, I've got to be honest with you, I I can't answer that because I can only tell you of the specifics that my platform has outlined currently. And I'm just being frank with you, I am a new candidate and I am doing my best to translate to you the, yep. the information that you're asking me okay. but when it when it goes outside my understanding i don't okay. want to be answering something that i can't okay i can't but but is it is it safe to say that your party is a, a pro-life yes okay all right um okay so we live in a time of very divisive politics. And there's a lot of negativity we see in the legislatures. We watch attack ads during political campaigns. And some people may wonder, whatever happened to civility in politics? Can you name one policy or one idea put forward by the Conservatives or any other party that you would support? Um. I'm not sure that I have something specific that I would indicate, but I would agree with you that civility has seemed to have disappeared off the political stage. And just to just to kind of put this into context, I'm a regular Jane citizen who's decided that based on what I'm seeing in the current government and how it's performing and how it has in my opinion, um, lost its focus on serving the citizens of Ontario. This is my attempt to put my hand as a humble and willing servant to the public to say, I will be your voice. There's clearly a steep learning curve for me, but it's one I'm prepared to take on. I am a concerned citizen, and I just feel that at this time, We've had long enough for the established politicians being in control. They certainly have not been serving our interests from my perspective. And so I would strive to be a legitimate voice for the constituents in my riding. But what if there were people that maybe disagreed with some of your policies or felt uh, that maybe you weren't taking the right direction? How would you mitigate between your party's platforms and your your particular views and ideologies versus theirs? And how would you um, not create more division but build bridges? So uh, I would start by saying that we're probably not 
um, it's probably not likely that you can get a, a group of people in a room and agree on every um, every item. I think that it comes down to the fundamentals, and certainly I would be accountable to my constituents. Part of our platform is actually to introduce MPP recall legislation whereby the voters could actually have a process to recall their MPP if they were failing to represent their interests in Queen's Park. On a on an issue-by-issue issue basis, I think that we have to restore democracy. We have to restore uh, open discourse and conversation to arrive at the solution that's going to best serve the public. And quite honestly, that has not been... Um, something that has been available to the citizens in in quite some time. And so I would certainly just say that, you know, I certainly have to be, um, first and foremost, I have to be accountable to my constituents, but at the same point, I also need to abide by my conscience. So I hope that answers your question. I know that there are critics of the recall system that would say, um, oftentimes politicians, you, you're, you're at Queen's Park, you're doing your thing, and you have access to a whole bunch of information that we back in the riding don't get access to. And while we may be looking at you at Queen's Park and saying, whoa, you know, we don't, we don't like this. Maybe we don't have all the facts. So, you know, then, then they say, well, you know, recall, you know, we, we may not fully understand or it makes a, an unstable system rather than just waiting and, you know, next time there's an election, we vote the person out. How do you respond to that? I believe that it's high time that we have a recall um, system in place because, quite honestly, uh, you know, if someone is heading in the direction that is not uh, in line with the wishes of the citizens, then it can be quite a uh, feat to turn that um, ship back around, I think that there has to be a, a change in accountability. There has to be some means by which the citizens have a say. Lots of, of uh, past um, politicians have made many, many promises on the campaign trail only to not serve or meet those promises once they've arrived in, in the role. And my thinking is that it's very much like employment. If you are hired to do a job and you're not doing the job, you're probably not going to be around long. And we have to remember that this role is meant to be a servant to the public. Your party leader is Derek Sloan. Now, he's a former MP for the Conservative Party, and he has made some what some people might call racist statements regarding the chief public health officer, Teresa Tam. He's also drawn criticism from some people, again, for, for homophobic remarks on social media and in public. What is it about Derek Sloan that wins your allegiance? He is as down-to-earth and as honest as they come. And I would disagree with your statements uh, with regards to those, um, anyone who would meet Derek would know that that's, that's not simply not true. What is it you've met, and you've talked to him, obviously, more than the rest of us. What is it about him that appeals to you? Can you give us some anecdotes or an example that uh, illustrate your point? I would tell you that he is genuine. He is uh, Christian. He 
loves his country. He doesn't like what has been happening. And I applaud him for the steps that he has taken to give the people another choice. All right, my last question to you to finish off is, tell me one thing that you are passionate about, a hobby or a guilty pleasure or an activity that has nothing to do with politics. Mm -hmm. Well, I would say there's probably one pastime and uh, one one, uh, pleasure, and I would say that's sailing. Sailing is my happy place, and I privately like to write. Vanessa Head, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you, Robert. That was Vanessa Head, candidate for the Ontario Party. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.